I'll never forget my first lesson with Eddie Mackin. I took uni and jumped around what I thought was a pretty impressive course that he told me to do. And then he got on my horse and he jumped him around and cranked the fences up to bigger than I would ever jump. And he canters by me when he's done. And then he halted and he looked at me and he goes, well, it's not the worst horse I've ever sat on. Oh, jeez, <laughs> Louise. Oh, my goodness. Be a I was like, yeah, that was, that's an Irish compliment, I swear. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. As usual, we like to talk about our sponsor, Mane and Tail, that we love so much, Karen. Absolutely. So we always like awesome. to feature a special product. So mm-hmm. what do we got this time? This week, we have the Spray and White. Spray and White. Very special product, Karen. So Absolutely. Unlike your normal shampoo, this is for your grays, your palominos, your chestnuts, things like that. Mm-hmm. There's special little magic things in there that'll make your horse extra shiny. But what's yeah. really nice about it is it gets out like the grassy stains and the yellow spots in your grays and all and that And your stuff. manure all that nasty oh, stuff yeah so all you do brush your horse down wet it down real good and then spray it it's like a sprayer mm-hmm. it's not like a regular like shampoo it's a sprayer you spray it scrub it in turns purple let it sit for a few minutes rinse it off so you do that all over your horse's body shiny shiny easy peasy horse. easy peasy lemon squeezy thank you mane and tail Cold weather is here. Get your favorite equestrian a Red and Goat jumpsuit and save $40 by going to RedandGoatEquestrian.com and enter MLE40 at checkout. We would like to dedicate this episode to Stephen Blonner. Stephen was a great supporter of U.S. eventing and will be greatly missed in the eventing community. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. And Karen, another fantastic guest for the Major League. Yes, another one. We're super, super excited. We're on a roll with the Canadians, Karen. Oh, yeah. So we love our Canadians. We're on a roll with them. It's perfect time of year with the mm-hmm. offseason to get our Canadians. So we'd like to welcome to the show five-star eventer, Lisa Marie Ferguson. Welcome. welcome. Hello. <laughs> so good to be here. We're super excited, yeah, Karen. We big sure fans are. over here. Oh, yeah. We see you out there at all the big shows, and we're like, oh, we gotta get, we gotta get Lisa Marie on. Yes. Karen. So, could, before we get started, can, can, do we call you Lisa or Lisa Marie? How would you like to be called? Everybody calls me Lisa. I've grown up always being called Lisa, and I just registered with the FEI as Lisa Marie, so that's why it shows up like that everywhere. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, that's good to know, Karen. Good to know, yeah. So now we can just when we when we see it, we can just call you Lisa because I'd hate to. I would hate. To, I always felt like all right, I gotta, you know, come up to Lisa Marie, and, but I but feel I like a mom yelling yeah. at you, Lisa Marie. <laughs> Very fun, but it's nice yeah. to know. So we can call you Lisa. Okay. Yes. So and that goes for everybody. We're not special, or is that for all fans, or or Karen and I? Well, you are special <laughs> for sure, but I do respond better to Lisa than Lisa Marie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. Do you call me Lisa Marie? I think I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You, you throw my, my middle name in there and yeah. I, oh, I know yeah. I'm definitely in trouble. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> hey, before we get started, Lisa, where we always like to find out where people are at as, as we're coming to you. You're coming to us from by phone. Uh, where, where are you located right now? I am in beautiful Unionville, Pennsylvania. Ooh, not too far. Yeah, not too far from us. Dang. No. Not far at all. Although I'm biding my time till I head down to Florida in uh, February. Oh, you Feb- go February. Oh, February. Wow. Yeah. Well, I like to fox hunt, and they have amazing fox hunting here with the Cheshire fox hunt, Ooh. and it's a really good way to get horses fit and practice riding in less than perfect footing. So I love to take advantage of that while I can. Yeah. So you're so you're the che- you're in the Cheshire hunt. That's a wonderful. A long line, long history of that hunt, right? It's a over a hundred year old hunt, isn't it? I couldn't say, but it's a very old hunt and it is amazing country, really great hills and some decent sized fences. I must say. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heck yeah. I could be wrong about the hunter too, but I know they're really old 
and very mm-hmm. prestigious. Yeah. So I know they're, they'll come to like plantation. They, they hunt plantations area and all that. So. Yeah, I'm actually, so um, Bruce Davidson's farm is across from plantation and the farm that I rent is behind his place. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So that's, that is a yeah. beautiful area. Oh, it's gorgeous there. See, I don't think of that as Unionville. I think of that as like, I don't know why I don't think of that as Unionville, but it is Unionville. It is Unionville. But I don't know. For some reason, my brain thinks I think of you think of like, it as plantation. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's yeah. a little municipality, right? That's funny. Well, everybody knows where plantation is. It's a landmark. Absolutely. Yeah. We love it. We love plantation. One of our favorites. Absolutely. It is. It's such a fun show. Yeah. And I love being so close. I can literally hack over. You know, this year, oh, Karen so and I, nice. we did the live stream commentary, which yeah. it's not necessary. I don't, I definitely am not, it's not one of my proudest works of art, but I think I kind of stunk, but, but we missed a lot of it. Cause we I thought you something. guys did a great job. Oh, oh. well, she's just saying <laughs> know, that. Just what else is she going to say, Karen? <laughs> no, no, there's been, there's been lots of really bad live stream commentary <laughs> and that was definitely Quite excellent live stream commentary. Oh, well, we tried to bring in the pros to yeah, come on yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, we, we brought us. in the pros to help us. <laughs> <laughs> we had lots of help, but yeah, that was, uh, uh, I don't know if we'll ever do that again, Karen. We're pretty bad at it. You You're should. It. You totally it. should. <laughs> I We missed most of the event. It was like we're sitting in a tent and. A little TV. Yeah. I like to get out and mingle. I'm a mangler, Lisa, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Well, as a rider, you feel the same way. You're stuck down at the trailer or in the barns, and then you do your little riding bit, and then you're back down at the trailer in the barns with the horses. You don't get to mingle much as a it's rider. It's funny because as a fan, you you see the riders and you're like, oh man, you know they they got it so good, you know. And meanwhile, they're able to have a cocktail and kind of enjoy the show mm-hmm. and you're down there stressing exactly <laughs> yeah walk walking the course five million times right. those of us that don't have an army of grooms actually pack up our own horses it, it it's a busy time <laughs> you, you don't have an army of grooms lisa marie lisa i do not lisa have a, <laughs> oh am i in trouble did i do something wrong <laughs> <laughs> you don't have an army of grooms no often i go to the the small local events as my own groom because then I know everything is done how I normally do it on a day-to-day basis. And it forces me to pay more attention to the horse's legs and how their feet look and all the little nuances that I think are important in producing an athlete and a partnership that you expect to be successful. Holy smokes. Karen, this is a wag rider. I know. know. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah. You know, we're just so used to thinking everyone has an entourage and everything. And that's incredible. I think that's fantastic. So cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. But it's, (laughs) I grew up doing pony clubs. So that's kind of what you're taught. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. True that. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into all that, can you take us back and tell us how you actually got your start in riding and then eventually into eventing? Um, well, I, my mom had horses. She rode Western Pleasure and um, she had a lot of friends that rode. So I rode their horses. I rode her horse. And then when I was 12, I had finally saved up enough money. I could buy my first pony. And the rule was if I was going to own my own horse, I had to join Pony Club and keep my grades up. So I bought my first horse for 450 bucks off of a drunk and evented that horse. (laughs) And, and uh, she didn't really like eventing. She could win the dressage, but she didn't love the jumping part. So I ended up buying another horse for a dollar and evented that horse through, I guess what would be the equivalent of novice level and did pony club. And here's a 14 year old Appaloosa named Spot. (laughs) Wow. Appaloosa. Yeah. Huh. Yep. You bet. <laughs> so what part of Canada did you grow up in? Uh, Langley, British Columbia, which is uh, about an hour east of Vancouver. Wow. Is that big? Is that a big well, horse country out there? Yeah, quite large. Have you ever heard of Thunderbird Show Park where they do a lot of the big televised jumper shows now? That was very close to where I grew up. Hmm. 
No. I'm a, I'm off, I'm 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 sadly I I'm not very familiar with that. I gotta find out yeah. about this. It sounds nice. I feel like a loser. Okay, well I, tw- I was twelve hours from Spruce Meadows. Oh, <laughs> oh. Wow, okay. Right around a corner. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, no. No, it was actually through the Rocky Mountains, but you know, right around the corner by Canada turn. <laughs> Jeez. Holy smokes. And then you, yeah. okay, so you had the $1 Appaloosa and then, and you're doing Pony Club, but then how, how did the progression keep going? Well, I just kept, so I had the the $1 Appaloosa that actually ended up selling back to the lady I bought him from, um, cause she had had him since he was four and he got me going eventing. And he was actually one of the coolest horses you could ever learn to jump on because if you were nervous about jumping a fence, you could get off, go to the other side and call him and he'd jump it. Oh my so gosh. Our, our philosophy was if Spot could do it, then we could do it. So they had this jump. I can't even remember where it was, but it was called decapitation. And it was this big log that you would jump going downhill. And then you had a sharp right hand turn after it. And Marg and I were like, well, I don't know that we could do this. So we put Spot on one side, went to the other end and called him and he jumped it. So then we each had a turn jumping it with Spot. <laughs> it's like a puppy. I know. I can't get over the name well, of that jump. He was really he was really a cool horse, but he was also a typical Appaloosa in that one day I went to a show, I did my first like four foot jumper around and I thought I was so amazing. And the next day I couldn't get him to the same end of the arena as a pole on the ground. So he was very humbling. <laughs> Jeez. That's terrible. It was it was a fun way to grow up though, because yeah. we um we could do a lot of really cool things and then he also reminded you that you really were not all that and you needed to work for it a little harder. That's awesome. <laughs> My brother had yep. Appaloosa once. Yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah, that's they're, that's kind of their move, right? <laughs> they're great horses. But they're also really stubborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. Oh, how was he in movement, like in the flat stuff? Um, he was very competitive. In fact, he would often be winning the dressage. Wow, that's cool. We need some. Yeah, he horses. was. Well, yeah, they're they're fun. He was a really unique horse. And then my next event horse was an Arab of all things. Oh wow! And I think I. Took her to her first couple of shows. She won them. And then my mom sold her and bought me something else. <laughs> Karen, Karen had an error. So Try to kill her. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. They, yeah. yeah, I had to. They two. can be flighty. <laughs> <laughs> bit her in the neck yeah, once. Bit me in the neck once. Tried and... dirty stuff. Oh, no. Fence. Yeah. Well, he, he was very jealous. And I was riding at another farm, and I always knew to go in the house, change my clothes, and then go in the barn to see him. And the one time I didn't, and he starts smelling my shirt, and he bit me right in the neck. Oh, my God. Yeah, so. That's not good. No. I mean, luckily, I had a turtleneck on, so the doctor said I was very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're beautiful horses. Yeah. I love them. I think they're great. Very horses. smart. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, a little too smart, I think. Sometimes, uh, yes, 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 definitely. Sorry, to, sorry to interrupt your st- your 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 story there. Just the Arabians are something else. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sapphire was a pretty cool little horse, and uh, she ended up being sold to a, po- a pony club kid that had a lot of success doing all the things they wanted to do. She was a pretty level-headed little Arab, which was nice. Nice. So would you? But yeah, I'll you never said, forget Spot. Yeah, you, so you sold you sold the Arab, and then you got another horse, and was that the one that kind of started taking you up the levels there? Is that? Uh, no. So when we sold Sapphire, we found two thoroughbreds in a field that hadn't done anything, and one was a little sixteen-hand black thoroughbred mare, and one was a five was a little bay gelding. And the little big gelding they called Dickhead because he buffed everybody off. But <laughs> if you wanted, if you wanted the mare, you had to take the gelding. Was the deal? <laughs> so, so my mom thought, great, that's such a good deal. You can train them, and then we can sell them. So if we bought both of them, and uh, the little big gelding we ended up calling Toby, but 
that horse bucked me off every day for the first month we owned him. Oh my, oh my gosh. Holy smokes. Yeah. He was a challenge, but he was, he turned out to be a really good dressage horse. I took him through third level. He was an excellent show jumper, but I think I fell in every ditch in BC because he wouldn't jump ditches. <sighs> oh. oh my gosh. That's, that's hard. That's hard on a kid trying to, you know, get after it. And then you're, you're falling off at ditches, especially when you're trying to be an defender. <laughs> well, well, yeah, exactly. So needless to say, that one didn't pan out as an event horse. So he ended up being sold as a dressage horse. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, but it was an interesting contrast. So he was really good in the show jumping and the dressage. And then the little black mare was a cross-country machine. She was amazing. She had zero half-halt to speak of. And she was <laughs> tiny. She was 16 hands, but she had like a 24-foot canter stride. So getting the distances was really difficult because she's always leaving them out. Wow. Um, wow. But she ended up being my first prelim horse. And uh, I think I ran her two or three prelims and I came in like a minute and a half under time and was very strongly suggested that I tell her to do a different job. <laughs> wow. That's fast. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah. And then I bought, after that, I got my first Welsh cross uh, was Uni Griffin and he was bred by a lady that I was in pony club uh, with her daughter and I bought him at, well, my, if my parents bought him at five months old and he was my first international horse. He, I broke him. I trained him myself. Two weeks after he turned five, I did my pony club A test and uh, he was my first FEI horse, my first intermediate horse, my first advanced horse. And he is the reason I moved out to the East Coast. Wow. What a st- yeah. You took your A on a five-year-old. Yeah, he was he was really a cool horse. Like at five, he was doing pre-St. George dressage. Oh my goodness. Um, he could jump a four-foot show jump round. And I mean, ev- everything with him was really easy. He was the first horse I ever taught, well, with really good help. I was doing dressage that time with Leslie Reed, who is a Canadian uh, Olympic dressage rider. And uh, we started teaching him half steps. I did canter pirouettes. We could do tempi changes. I did four ones and thought that was the coolest thing ever and then <laughs> lost count. And I could never do more than four. But uh, he was just super, super cool. And I'll never forget the first time they brought, I was invited to like team training camp. And the first time you go, you're like, well, I'm nobody and I know nothing. And everybody there is way better than me and has done this a bunch. And I think we had David O'Connor, George Morris, and someone else. I can't, Daniel Stewart, I think, do the the big camp held at Thunderbird. And for the dressage section, David goes, so can you do a flying change? I was like, yes, how many would you like? And he looked at me kind of confused. <laughs> and he was like, I'd. I just want to see if you can do one. So I was like, okay. So I go across the diagonal. I do one. And he goes, okay, can you do another one? So I go across the next diagonal. And I think I popped off a line of three or two tempies. And he just started laughing. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I was like, yeah, I, I can do a single flying change. Because it's, I mean, it's kind of a running joke. Eventers can't do flying changes. but. Yeah that horse could do really good flying changes. Oh, wow. Did you funny. have a trick to teaching it yeah. all this, all these changes or, 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 or is it just a naturally gifted horse or are you, were you just that good a trainer? He was just, well, I started riding dressage with a German dressage rider. And then um, with uni, when he was a baby, we worked a C trick and then I ended up graduating and working with Leslie and I think it was just working a lot in the winter doing pure classical dressage that you just instill those basics and you just go from one step to the next step and you just keep building like the training pyramid teaches you to. And um, because he was so young and things were really easy for him, 
it didn't take long. And next thing you know, we were actually doing the really fun stuff. And that's why I think I've always really enjoyed the dressage because I had a horse who was really trainable. I mean, he wasn't a big mover. He wasn't fancy, but he was trainable and he had a really good work ethic and he was capable and it was fun. Like it was really cool to say, oh yeah, I've got my eight-year-old and we're doing half steps now. And uh, I kind of wish I was able to do that now with my current <laughs> horse, who is related to that horse, but not gifted in the same way. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that that brought you to the East Coast. So can you tell us how like that whole transition when you went from Canada to, to the States and the East Coast? Well, yeah, when I had met um, David O'Connor at that training program, um, he basically said that at that point I had just started going advanced. I think I'd done my first one or my first two. And he said, you know, if you really want to see if you can do it, you have to come and play with the big boys on the East Coast. So I talked to my parents and I packed up my trailer and I packed up my horse and I drove to um, Calgary, Alberta, with a, where I met up with uh, Sandra Donnelly and a couple of other Canadians that were driving out to Florida for the winter season. And we convoyed out, and that was, I kind of ended up staying. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, now, wh- wh- when was it? How long ago was this, would you say? I think it was 2007. 2007. Okay. So, yeah, 12, 13 years ago. Not that long ago. Yeah. Yep. Wow. How about that? That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was really cool, but I'll let you know, it was 62 hours of driving from oh, Vancouver to Ocala, Florida. So when people, when people start going, Oh, it's such a long drive to Florida. I was like, you have no idea oh. what a long drive is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now, how'd you, how did you end up uh, now? Did, were you working were, were you riding with David O'Connor or is that when you came East or, or was it just, you just decided to come and just give it a go in the circuit and how did you end up? Back yeah, I kind of, we were working definitely with David because he was the catalyst to me moving out to the East coast and, you know, deciding that, well, I have this horse, I'm going to see what we can do. And so I moved out here for the winter and I stayed um, and then I went home and then I drove out again right around Kentucky time. And I stopped in Kentucky to watch Rolex. And I believe that was the year that Karen ran Teddy O'Connor. And then I followed them to their farm in Virginia and spent the summer there. Wow. Teddy O'Connor. Yeah. Good year to go to uh, Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It was really neat. It was very cool to be able to stop at and watch Rolex in real life when it was Rolex and, you know, kind of be included with Karen and David and their, their program. And they invited me on the course walks and it was really, really cool. I was definitely feeling a little wide eyed and hugely intimidated as you walk around and it's like, Oh, there's Bruce Davidson. There's all these big names that you'd only ever read about when you're on the West coast. And I remember the first show I did, I was so wide eyed riding around all these big name people that I went in my dressage test and I went off course twice, (laughs) (laughs) which didn't eliminate me. I still finished. But uh, actually, I think I was third after dressage with my two boring mental errors. But um, it that was because uni was a very, very good in that phase. But uh, it was really cool. I, I didn't think of myself as somebody who would be so impressed. And I was definitely impressed. How about that? That's that's really cool. Yeah. Now, or did you like... um. When you spent that summer, like, were, were you like a working student or were you kind of like just a person there for training and training out of their facility and, and with them? Yeah, I went kind of definitely not as a working student. I um, had trained a lot with Teresa Washtock and Lynn Sanderson. 
who had both told me Teresa rode at the Olympics in Atlanta. And she basically explained that my time would be more valuable if I worked hard and paid for my lessons and spent the time I could watching. So I came out and that's what I did. And I spent, I was based in Clark Montgomery's barn at the polo barn at Ms. Mara's farm in Virginia and watched Clark and Jess and their program and watched them train their horses. And Lindsay was there. There was a, they had a barn full and then Karen and David's farm. It was, you learn a lot by watching. And I remember Amy Tryon came out and I was able to watch her ride and her horses train and how David worked with all her different horses. It was really a cool experience and I'm, I'm glad I did it. I wasn't, I was not worked to the bone. I got a lot of time to watch and ask questions and, and, uh, see how people and horses and trainers adapted to all different circumstances. So it was really, really great. I learned a lot doing that. I bet. But that's, that's, that's why I like to ask that question. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, there's different paths and different routes people take and that's, you know, learning about your, 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 your path is definitely, um, you know, everyone's on a different journey. You know, so it's it's good to know that this isn't a cookie cutter way to the top, you know, for sure. So, no. Yeah. It, I mean, it was definitely for me, it was really helpful because it helped me understand, like when I took a lesson, kind of where the thought process was. And for me, I have all, I have learned that not every trainer or every coach is the right match for every horse in every phase. And I think that was really helpful because uni was a very, like, very good in dressage. But because I had trained with a classical dressage person, I always rode him into double bridle. And so it wasn't until I came to the East Coast that I got the whole eventer faux pas riding in a double bridle, you must do it in a snaffle. And to see how that changed, how he went and how he scored and... um the thought process behind why it's better in a snaffle and, and also the different approach to jumper, the jumping phase I had worked with um, Bobby Reber, who's a well-known hunter judge. And um, I worked a little bit with Eddie Mackin, who is a Irish show jumper. And I'll never forget my first lesson with Eddie Mackin. I took uni and jumped around what I thought was a pretty impressive course that he told me to do. And then he got on my horse and he jumped him around and cranked the fences up to bigger than I would ever jump. And he canters by me when he's done. And then he halted and he looked at me and he goes, well, it's not the worst horse I've ever sat on. Oh, <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. oh my goodness. Be a I was like, yeah, that was, that's an Irish compliment. I swear. <laughs> but, uh, but he, it, I mean, it was really interesting because it. Most of the people I rode with in BC were not like flowery. You did a good job. They were very well. You didn't do that well enough. So let's figure out how to make you do it well enough so that you get the result you need. And um, it was different to come to the East Coast and see how it was a little, not everywhere, but it was different than that. So, and it wasn't, there wasn't always a classical dressage training or the progression. There were, it was, there was a lot of differences and differences in the way that jumpers, the jumping phase was approached. The cross country was pretty standard, but it was, it was just really interesting um, how everybody's kind of got a little twist on everything and, and what works for some horses doesn't work for others. Are you still, do you still hold on to some of your, you know, BC kind of ways is, or, or, or do, do you feel that in some ways that was better for you, especially coming up? Um, I think, I think the, like a lot of the horsemanship and being responsible for your own horse. And, um, I definitely tend to gravitate towards the, the people that tell you how it is and tell you, what what you need to do to get better like this is the goal this is where you're competing at 
and you're not getting where you want to go and do you need to spend more time focusing on this to get where you want to go. And I I found that the people that I worked with in BC were a little bit more black and white that way. It's been different working with the eventing community um, here because I guess you see a lot more um, amateurs in the sport that don't want that hard ass approach, I guess is how we would put it. Like uh, Lynn Sanderson, who I grew up riding with in Pony Club was always known as the mean Pony Club examiner because she hid behind sunglasses. And if you did a bad job, she'd tell you you did a bad job. She wouldn't say, oh, well, it wasn't as good as it could have been. She's like, well, that sucks. You better do that better (laughs) if you want to pass this level. (laughs) So um, it was really that's what I like. I don't like somebody to tell me in a roundabout way, I'm not doing it well enough. Just tell me I'm not doing it well enough and tell me how to do it better. Gotcha. Well, that's fair. Mm -hmm. That's fair. You're not, you're not there for, you know, you're not going to get better if you know exactly what the person's feeling for sure. Right. And I find it's more about that way. It's a lot easier to say, okay, well, I've taken X number of lessons for X amount of time from this person. And my results aren't getting any better. So I think I'm going to go try something else that might work better. Mm-hmm. And I think it, let, it lets you think a little bit more critically and communicate a little bit more clearly without feeling like you might offend somebody. Yeah, that's that's well, you know, you only have so much time on a horse's back and you're you're paying someone to watch you and, and tell you how to get better. So why mince words? Right. Right. Exactly. Don't take it personal. uh, Don't take it personal. Exactly. Well, sometimes you do take it personal because people (laughs) say mean things, but sometimes you need to hear them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a softie. I would. I would be up there. I'd be pouting, Karen. Yeah, you would. I'd be pouting. I'm soft. Well, there's definitely a time for that. So funny. So, so you mentioned like now, now you're up in Unionville. Can you kind of tell us how basically you ended up in Unionville and then what your current business operation is? So I came to Unionville for one reason. I had one young horse, um, the smart move horse who was six and had just finished his first, then one star long format. And I mean, he just skipped around like it was child's play and he was only six. So I was like, well, what do I do with him? I think he's pretty special, but I don't want to push him too fast. And uh, I wanted to come and work with Philip Dutton. So I relocated here and I took Marty and got in a program with Philip and that horse. I think we did one intermediate or two intermediate that year. And the next year he came out and he won the CIC two star at Fair Hill. He won the CCI two star at uh, Jersey fresh. And then we moved up to advanced and he was only seven. And he went out to Galway and finished fourth at his first three star long format and was getting ready to go to uh, Kentucky to be my first four star horse after, um, after all that time. So he, uh, Philip was amazing and him and that horse got along like a house on fire. <laughs> so, so, and Smarty was not always the easiest. He was very trainable. He wasn't a huge fancy mover, but he was so opinionated in the jumping phases. And I really do believe that Philip is probably one of the best cross country riders ever. And he helped me a ton because he was also a little bit uh, that teaching style that I like. And he's like, well, that sucks. Do it again. <laughs> Don't make the same mistake. And he'd look at you and he'd be like, well, ride better. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll ride better. Yep. I'll do that. I work really hard and I will not suck as much the next time. And, <laughs> and it, I, I mean, you either rise or fall with that kind of pressure. And, and I really, it really worked for me in, in that, with that horse. I mean, that horse loved Philip's approach, 
loved every way he progressed through the weekly lessons. I mean, it was, it was the perfect match and I was going all the places I wanted to go. Wow. And then do you guys did so, eventually go to Kentucky? No, that, that was the horse. He got, um, loose in Wellington and got hit by a car and broke his leg and oh had to be put down. Goodness oh. gracious. I don't know if yep. I, ever, I don't think I knew that, Karen. No. Oh, that's horrible. In There's a huge story on a venting nation on it. Yep. Really? Wow. Oh. Yep. I, well, yeah, maybe, some... maybe I did get it and missed it, but or maybe I erased it from my brain. That's just a horrible. What were you doing in Wellington? I was taking dressage lessons, so I didn't suck. <laughs> oh, that's I was riding I was riding with Bessie Steiner, actually. Gotcha. That was my first winner, second winner. Second winner with Bessie. And I absolutely love her. And um I w- worked with her the winter before in Wellington and jumped with Frankie Chesler. And I had a great time. I think all eventers should go and spend time in Wellington. I know. I like it. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And the, like the dressage under the stars and yeah. the, all the big, I audited a dressage clinic with Stefan Peters and Jan Brink and just the, the cool things that go on down there. You don't get that thing cool they do stuff in Ocala. Stuff. Yeah. They do. Up in like the, the global dressage, they'll do like gladiator polos some nights and just crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then they do the like the fun West shows, like yeah. the Thursday night women versus men and that kind of it was yeah. I mean, it was really fun. I it, loved Wellington. They yeah. packed the house too. They I mean it's a it's a party. It's awesome. We need to bring that yeah. up here. Yeah, we need to bring that up here. Or yeah. Or just move to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice down there. Or we should just have an eventing community in Wellington. There we go. There you there go. We go. There's some people trying to do that in Palm Beach from what I understand, but we'll see. It might happen. Yeah. We need more. It, I mean, it was great. Like, Betsy was amazing. When, when Smarty got hit, she actually sent her working student, who was a friend of mine, um, to ride my horses for a week so I could take some time off and deal with it. And yeah. I mean, Betsy is, she's one of the greats and um, Frankie was amazing. I mean, and Jim Coford was there who, do you guys know Jim? He is a dressage rider who used to event on weekends with his good buddy, John Williams. And he ran like the most unlikely horses around Rolex when it was a long format, eventing only on weekends for fun. Wow. <laughs> As a hobby. As a, yeah. That's wild. As a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> he was really fun. There's a lot of cool people. So, in sport, that's for sure. It sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was really, really great. I so, loved it. So now what, what's the, now, so what's your current business? So now you're in Unionville and then you're in Florida. Can you tell us about what, what you have going and like where, where you're at? I guess you go to Ocala in the winter or do you go straight down? To yeah. Wilkinson? I don't go for very long. Well, I've, I'm trying to go back and forth between Ocala and Wellington a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, so I rent a really cool farm in, I guess it's technically Kennett Square. And it's 80 acres. We've got a little cross-country schooling, got a dressage arena, a jump ring, an indoor, and 20 stalls. So it's a it's a really cool little kind of corner. And it's like I said, you can hack to Bruce and Buck Davidson's in 10 minutes and plantation in 20. I mean, it's, it's really, really great located. It's less than 10 minutes to Phillips or Boyd's and as much hacking as you could ever want to do yeah. in every. Yeah, for sure. So do you train with anybody out there so yeah. or do you still train with like Philip or Buck or anybody or. I worked with Buck a bit this summer. He's um, he's been really great because Tally, my uh, blonde five star horse, has very strong opinions, <laughs> and he he doesn't always get along with everybody. So um, he um, 
I always say he's like riding a mare. You have to ask him and be willing to negotiate hmm. because if you tell him, he quits listening. And, um, and so I hacked him over to Buck's one day. I was like, you get on and see if you guys get along. And Buck got on him and he's trotting him around and cantering him around in the indoor. And then I was like, well, why don't you take him out and pop him over a few fences? And I said, oh, and by the way, he doesn't like it when you hang on his mouth or sit in the saddle while you jump. And kind of gave me a funny look. And he he cantered up to a fence sitting in the saddle. And then he cantered up to a fence not sitting in the saddle the next one. (laughs) This is a really cool, really cool horse. And I was like, yeah, he is really cool. But he's really, really tough in a lot of ways because he's got such strong opinions. And he's actually really rideable so if you sit up a little too tall sometimes you can go from a 20 foot gallop stride to a nine foot canter stride which mm. not always that helpful <laughs> and uh, um so so buck actually helped me quite a bit um tr- work on improving his fitness and some neat exercises to help him on the flat and andrea his wife has been super helpful with tally on the flat they get along really well um so it's been really fun just to be able to hack over and just because r- I'm often by myself at the farm riding because I have, well, I have lots of people with horses here. Everybody rides kind of at different times and I have a few ladies that trail ride. And um, so I'm often riding by myself. So Buck's like, oh, just hack on over and ride like in company or if you need to go for a trot or a gallop that just call us and hook up with one of our sets going up and that's been really, really fun That's because really cool. a thirty-minute trot by yourself is really boring. Yeah, <laughs> so, do you do you have working students, or do you have students at all? Like, or what's your what's your program like? What is your operation? I have a very interesting mix of students. Like, I have a few students at events. I have a few students that just ride for fun um and i had a groom that now has gone back to school so i'm actually at the point now where i'm looking to get another working student gotcha apb so another working student yeah exactly and and you don't have to clean stalls if you're working student Mm -hmm. here all you have to do is pack up unpack clean tech that's one job i do not like doing cleaning tech yuck Wow. That's Not bad. That's a really nice opportunity. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I know. You should have a line yeah. at the door trying it's, to get in for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a well-kept secret. Now we just have to find the right person to fill that spot. Yeah. But go. yeah, I mean, and it's pretty low-key and the horses are all easy. So it makes it it makes it makes like a lot of fun, actually. Gotcha. And are you open for business for, for students to like ship in or is it basically people that board yeah. there or has it? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And I have, I have a student that ships in who's a friend of mine actually all the way from Pittsburgh. She comes down five hour drive to take lessons. So wow. that's oh, wow. fun. You know, that's a good lesson. <laughs> yeah. well, right. She's going to drive that far. And you mentioned your top horse is related to the, your, your first top horse. What, how, how's that relation? What's, and how'd that happen? They're by the same sire. So when I bought Uni as a five-month-old, and he went all the way through advanced, when I went, actually, when I left Virginia, I stopped in Minnesota because uh, my boyfriend has a company there. And so I stayed in Minnesota for the summer and met a friend of mine who ended up sponsoring me and being an owner. And that's how I bought the smart move for. So I figured if I was driving all the way back to BC to buy one horse, I might as well buy two. (laughs) So so we bought it. Exactly. Well, and Smarty was four, I think. And I bought Callan, who was the last full brother to the uni Griffin horse. So I bought Callan for myself and Smarty for, my friend Jay. And um, so we shipped them back and Callan was an unstarted three-year-old. So he was super fun. Uh, he ran all the way through advanced. And then I sold him to a young rider and he took his young rider, two young riders 
twice before she went off to Harvard. And now, now mom is riding Callan. So that's super fun. Um, and then Smarty, Jay, um, I don't know if he got, we joke that he got bucked off his ATV and tore his ACL. So he couldn't ride. So then I got Smarty and um, he let me, when he quit riding, um, he let me buy him out for Smarty and I got to continue on with him. And then um, I found out that Smarty's full brother or last full brother, Tally, was just getting to started and uh so he was four and the uh, eventing olympian that i rode with Teresa washtop called me and she goes lisa you have to buy the horse i can't buy him he's not going to work for me but he will go to rolex one day and so i called the breeder and i said i'll take him <laughs> <laughs> just like that. and uh yeah and it was funny that when he did his first Kentucky, I emailed Teresa and I was like, well, I guess you were right. He did do Kentucky. So That's that was really fun. But yeah, he's, so I've had four, four. So Uni and Callan were full siblings and Smarty and Tally were full siblings and they were all by the same stallion. Wow. Very cool. Now who's the stallion? His name was Brenarian Brennan. He was a Welsh Cobb stallion. A Welsh Cobb Stallion. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Now, is Kentucky in the sights for next spring? That is a little bit up in the air at this point. So can I'm sure as you know, Canada did not qualify a team to the Olympics. Yeah. But we are potentially able to send individuals and there's a very small chance we might get a chance to send a composite team, but I've always wanted to do badminton. So I'm trying to figure out how to make that work. Cause I think Tally has run the last four years at Kentucky consecutively Mm -hmm. and I'd like to do something different. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kentucky is, is amazing and it's, super fun but i really want to do badminton <laughs> yeah. no, hey I, yeah. i'm with you i, yeah, I would right. to- i totally get it for sure and then we got fair hill coming so hopefully hopefully so we'll- yeah exactly that's gonna be exciting. yeah yeah exactly so i think that if if for some miracle canada squeaks in a composite team they'll probably want to see all the canadians go head to head at kentucky but okay. if we're just sending individuals, I would prefer to be able to do badminton because I think that it, I mean, badminton is kind of one of those events that you always want to do. And I have probably one of the best cross country horses and I want to do it. Well, I think I can see the finish flags at yeah, some point, yeah. you know, hey, I don't, I, yeah. I, you, you see a lot of people that go that never get to the finish. And I think I have a horse that can do it. And in fact, Lucinda green was at Kentucky this year. And then she was also at Ocala jockey club. And she's like, you have to do badminton with that horse. He is made for events like that. That's awesome. I was like, yeah, he might be, but I don't know that I am. So do you want to ride him? <laughs> you get yeah, telling you that. You know you got a good horse under you, that's for sure. I must say, I think I drive people nuts when they horse walk with me when I ride that horse because he's not a horse that helps if you overthink anything. You literally like come out of the turn, line up the flags, and stay the hell out of his way. <laughs> that's a nice feeling, I bet. Yeah, right. I bet that's pretty pretty doggone cool. Now, do you own all of your horses, or do you have owners? Yeah. Do you own all your horses? Yeah, I own all my horses. <laughs> no one to answer to. You take them where you want. Well, that's true, for sure. And it, it's definitely been an asset for me in some ways, but um, I really think Tally is one of those cool horses that, I mean, he could take a lot of people, a lot of places. And I, I was, when I was talking to Lucinda, I was like, you know, if you ever 
had somebody that really wanted to ride around a five-star, Tally would be the horse to do it because I swear he'd pack a monkey around if it could steer. How about that? I mean, he, he makes cross country so much fun. You don't get nervous. You just kind of line up the flags and stay out of his way. And you cut, you finish and you're like, well, that was really easy. It was so fun. It was really fantastic. And you can watch people struggle and you know that on him, you're probably not going to unless you mess up in a really big way. Wow. That's, that's and even then, like I, my first Kentucky, I think I buried him at some of the biggest fences on the course. And he was like, yeah, no problem. I got it. Moron, pull left. <laughs> Stay out of my way. And when I, when I got more confident with that ride, he, uh, he just goes better and better. And he can add and he can leave out. And none of that bothers him. He just... He just rocked and rolled and loved it. Man, that's mm. awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that wish they had that feeling on a horse. I know. You know? I that's, was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. You can sleep well at night with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's he's unique, I think, in a lot of ways as far as that goes, because you, like I said, you, it sounds really terrible, but you don't really need to ride him. You just need to show him where to go, and he... It's like he was born knowing how to do it and knowing how to do all the footwork. He just does it. That's awesome. And he's, he's really cool in that I'm usually the first one out of the barn Saturday night and the last one in the barn Sunday morning because you pull him out of a stall, you throw a few braids in, and you jog away. <laughs> how about that? Just like that. Just <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of cake. I know. All right, so we're going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. Yeah. All right, and quick fire questions okay. is brought to you by Equiprism. Get your custom penny in your favorite colors by going to equiprism.com. So we're going to ask you five questions. All right, so your first question is what is your favorite event to compete at? Rebecca Farm. Rebecca Farm. Yeah, we got quite a few we of them. A lot of Rebecca yeah, farms. we get a lot of Rebecca <laughs> Farms. All right. Do you have any hobbies outside of horses? I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any good luck or superstitions before you go out cross country? No. No. <laughs> good answer. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you do to stay in shape for riding? I like to do Pilates. Pilates? It's no joke. No, I know. Pilates is hard. Pilates is Yeah. I tried it and I couldn't keep it up for sure. (laughs) No doubt. Well, there's no good hockey rinks down here in this country, so we can't do that. (laughs) There's good hockey rinks? (laughs) Hockey rinks, yeah. Were Were you a hockey player up in Canada? Not a good one, but it was a really good workout. We used to have these like 6 a.m. hockey things where they'd, they'd torture you for an hour, and it was probably the best workout I've ever had. Awesome. Hmm. There we go. If not, if not, if there's no good hockey around Pilates, it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, exactly. <laughs> so last question. If you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? Drunk and disorderly, because that name is the best eventing name ever. <laughs> Drunk and disorderly. I don't know that one. You don't know that one? It was a big gray horse that ran around the biggest events in Europe. Huh. Drunk and d- disorderly. I like the name. Yeah. That might have been me once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Back in my heyday. I've mellowed. I've mellowed quite substantially. Right, right. Karen, A plus plus. Yep. Of Excellent course, job. Of Lisa, tearing it up. We have to look up that horse though. Yeah, drunk and disorderly. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does. So Lisa, do you have Yeah, it was a great. It was this big Irish gray horse. Yeah, well, Irish, it has to be with that name, right? Yeah, better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, do you have any advice for a rider trying to make it into sport? Um, I guess my best advice would be to um, find a program that works for you and your horse, but don't be afraid to try to go outside the eventing community. I've had some of my best luck and made some really good friends and most success working with people like Betsy Steiner and 
I'm super fortunate to be able to be show jumping currently with uh, John and BZ Madden. And finding people like that really do raise your game because they're so good at what they do that they inspire you to be better than you thought you could ever be. And they get you to think of things totally differently. And some horsemanship tricks that they have or different experiences because of their different sport really do translate to what we do. And I've found that I've gotten the most from things like that rather than just sticking in an eventing barn and an eventing program doing only eventing. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one thing yeah. that, you know, hearing your story, you definitely, you know, you you rode with dressage riders for dressage and the jumpers for jumping. And I, I've, I've often wondered about that myself about, you know, how, how beneficial that would be to kind of get just that specialized trainer helping you with that specialized, uh, you know, discipline at the time. So, I think uh, we don't hear a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I think most people I think are it's sticking. Great advice, yeah. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I like that idea a lot for sure. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of great eventing programs here, but if you, I, I kind of think it goes back to riding with Lynn and Teresa. They both said to me, "Why ride with the students when you can ride with the master?" So if you look at who your heroes are riding with ride with the people they ride with. That's awesome. If you want to be able to compete with them. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a great, great advice. Mm-hmm. Great advice. <laughs> so Lisa, as we wind, as we wind things down, uh, we always like to give a shout out to any uh, sponsors and supporters that you may have. So um, do you want to give them a shout out? Yeah, I'd love to give a shout out to Ontarius. They are amazing. Zach is the best at saddle fitting and outfitting your horse to be as comfortable as possible. And in fact, Zach working with Ontarius in France has just designed these special foam panels for saddles that um, for big shouldered horses, like Tally is tall and narrow, but he's got really big shoulders that tend to push the saddles back. And the way they're shaped, these saddles, I have literally watched him place these panels on horses and watched them go from short striding, choppy moving to like big, open, comfortable. It makes such a huge difference. So Ontario's is amazing. Should definitely be riding in those. And um, Eco Gold, a good Canadian company, designs fantastic saddle pads. Uh, Frilly Phillies, Poulin Grain is fantastic all my horses look dappily and wonderful at jog and um hylofit the best way to keep track of your horse's fitness which i think i made them laugh when i started swimming tally with his hylofit (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so yeah all great sponsors for sure you know uh zach and our tires we you know we've met zach and we've Mm -hmm. talked to him a lot and um wonderful saddles for sure and zach really knows his stuff he was he was a rider for bruce davidson back in his day yes he was and he actually has a really cool little horse out of bruce's stallion named Junebug that his lovely wife Nora is currently campaigning for him because he is too busy making horses and riders so perfectly comfortable in their entire saddles. He doesn't have time to ride his own horse. Yeah. I like Zach a lot. Yeah, he's, he's a, he's a great guy. Nice, and you yeah. know, we've, we've gone and picked his brain and asked him, he has, he answers every question and, uh, you know, he, he doesn't make you feel dumb or he doesn't make you feel like it was a dumb question. So highly recommend yes. Zach and Antares oh, yeah. for sure. Good, good, good people. You know, I think it's so important to be able to have a, a saddle fitter that can help you when your horse is possible. That saddle's not fitting right, and that's that's not every saddle company does that. You know, Karen, and mm-hmm. I think that's definitely something like you mentioned about. Yeah. So that's uh, I love it, love it. H- highly recommend Zach. Yeah. Well, and I think it's really speaks volumes that he would go out and contact France to design his own panels 
because he's seen limitations with their current availability to fit horses. And he did that on his own. And um, I mean, what a difference. The, those panels are really, really cool. And they're, especially horses with back issues, they're designed to take the pressure off the muscles immediately along the spine. So they put the pressure out more like over the top of the ribs and where a horse with a good top line can build muscle to protect themselves. It, I mean, it's just brilliant what he's done and the horses move and feel significantly different as a result. Gotcha. Love it. I love it, Karen. So, Hey, Lisa, as we wind things down, if people want to get in contact with you, they want to come and take lessons or, or, you know, work with you. um, How do people get in contact with Lisa Ferguson? I have a website and they're welcome to call me on my cell phone. So um, my website is northstareventing.com and my cell phone is 610-570-6070. And I am available most of the time, unless I might be bucked off and then I'll call you back. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I didn't know Lisa was so close. To <laughs> I know. This is fantastic. I'm so excited. Don't be surprised if someday you don't get a call from us and we're popping up to the farm to come say hello because we're always in an area. You should come. You should come and see see our gallops and watch us go hunting and come and join the Unionville winter party. When many people depart to go south, we have a really good time staying here. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Karen, was this fantastic? This was fantastic. Lisa, yeah. thank you so much for joining us and best of luck. And we, we can't wait to just see what's what's next for you. Yeah, I'm really excited about to see what happens with the spring, but I've had a wonderful time chatting with you. Thank you so much for everything you do for our sport and all of us riders. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can leave us a review on Apple iTunes or visit us at MajorLeakEventing.com. Cheers.